opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. We do investing simplified. Welcome into Investing Simplified. My name is Bo Caldwell, CFP. I am the CEO and president of Price Financial Group, coming to you here from our studios in Portland, Oregon. Wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, thanks for making us a part of your day, maybe a part of your weekend, any of those other things. If you have a question you'd like to have covered on our show, something that has been worrying you about your finances, about your taxes, about your estate planning, anything with a dollar sign in your life that there's something been bugging you, make sure to send that to askbo at pricefg.com. Because one of the things, I say this a lot, but if you've been worried about it, if it's something that's been bothering you, I can just about guarantee you that another listener that listens to our show or to our podcast, it's been bugging them too. And they may not think about it or think about asking that question. But we answer questions every day from clients. We answer questions every week from listeners. So we really appreciate you helping us to bring you the content that you want us to bring you. So send that to askbo at pricefg.com. If you'd like to schedule a complimentary review with a member of our team, call 503-253-3000 or visit www.pricefg.com. We have locations all around the Portland metro area, including Vancouver, Washington, that we can meet you at, sit down with you, go over your situation tailor recommendations specifically towards you if it makes sense. And if it doesn't, the worst thing it's going to cost you is about an hour of your time. We do that complimentary for our radio and podcast listeners. So give us a call 503-253-3000 and let us know you heard us on the radio. So we had a week last week where the the guys and I were actually out last week. So we had to run a, uh, a recap show and I appreciate you tuning in this week as I am in here solo Again, this week is the the mats, as we like to call them, are are helping our busy helping our clients, uh, you know, work to achieve their financial goals, and so they cannot make it in this week. But I wanted to start this show by talking about the market so far this year, where we're at, and kind of you know where we see uh, the market's heading. And you know, the caveat always comes is that you have to take that with a certain grain of salt because I certainly don't know where the market's going. I have a good idea using math and probabilities, technical setups, fundamental setups, analysis, as well as listening to a lot of folks that are definitely smarter than me, a lot of economists out there who are much smarter than me. But the key is that still doesn't mean we know. Those economists who are definitely smarter than me don't know. And whether you're a Bloomberg watcher, a CNBC watcher, a Fox business watcher, wherever you're watching to get your, you know, quote unquote, 
you know, market updates or news or, you know, business news, none of them really know either. Now they can have informed opinions, but I, you know, there's an old saying that I won't say cause it's not really radio appropriate about opinions, but we all have them and, and they all stink, right? Generally speaking, they all stink. So if you're looking for from our show, from your financial advisor, from any prognosticator talking head you see on the television, you, you need to take it all with a certain grain of salt. That being said, you know, I have a pretty good idea of where I think the market is heading, you know, that I can tell you where it will head for sure. It'll head one of three ways. It's going to head up, it's going to head down, or it's going to stay flat, right? One of those three ways, which seems kind of, you know, silly, sort of a dad joke about the markets, but that's really what they are. And when people start talking about technical setups, which we'll cover a little bit later in the show, just so people have an idea of what that means, they're still saying, hey, this gives it a higher probability of doing X, but it might do Y, right? So when you hear these folks that come on, you know, Kramer or Varney, or they're coming on and saying, hey, look, this is what I see happening based on the charts. They're only right a portion of the time. And if they were right all the time, they wouldn't be doing those appearances on those shows because they would be counting their billions. They'd be swimming, you know, they'd be swimming in their coins like Scrooge McDuck. Because if you could predict accurately where the market was going every time, every day, every week, every month, every year, you would not be a millionaire. You would be a more than a billionaire. You would be a trillionaire because with the power of utilizing options or futures or other leveraged products, you could leverage that knowledge into turning small amounts of money into very large amounts of money very quickly. However, you could also turn that large amount of money into a very small amount of money very quickly if you are wrong. And so they go on those shows and they go on those prognostication pieces because they don't know where it's going, right? So we look at the market and say, okay, this is what we think is going to happen based on what we've seen in the markets. And then I'll let you know how we are handling it for our clients, which may or may not be right for you, right? So what we're looking at so far this year, the year's obviously started off a lot better than last year did. Last year was the worst year, according to a lot of measures in history, in terms of a diversified portfolio, right? So when we talk about a diversified portfolio, you hear that a lot. That's about being diversified in your holdings, not having all your eggs in one basket. And historically speaking, traditionally speaking, that meant 60% stocks and 40% bonds in your portfolio. So a 60-40 portfolio, which over historical standards has been the gold standard, right, of how to have a quote-unquote diversified portfolio. That's what most advisors had done with their clients, what most people were doing with their 401k funds and different things like that. But last year was the worst because both stocks and bonds were down at the same time. And last year they were down big, right? If you remember that the NASDAQ at one point was down over 30% last year. 30% is a lot to be down in a year, right? Now, so far this year, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, and the Dow Jones, which are generally speaking, you know, accepted as good measures for the overall stock market are all up. And they're up pretty, you know, pretty significantly this year to start a year, uh, you know, at least until the last week or two, right? So the market started off on a on a tear much better than, than they had. Now the question becomes, is that a dead cat bounce in the market, right? So dead cat bounce, in addition to being, you know, just a, a terrible reference point if you're an animal lover, so my apologies ahead of time. But a dead cat bounce refers to when you've got the market has gone down, you know, has gone down significantly 
right? We've had a, a sell-off, a bear market, maybe a recession. And we did have that last year, right? The market sold off significantly, down over 20% in the S&P and over 30% in the NASDAQ at one point. Then you have a rally off those lows. So the low of the market, you have a rally. And usually a bear market rally or a dead cat bounce, which are you know interchangeable, a bear market rally can be quite swift and quite strong. And generally speaking, people that are short the market get really harmed in that. And then what happens is they have to buy back their shares. I'll cover that a little bit more later in terms of why that accelerates so quickly. But a dead cat bounce is what we had in 2000, 2001, 2002, if you'll recall, several times. Had it in 2008 as well in the financial crisis where the market rallied back significantly off lows. And then you get a lot of people, a lot of retail traders, as they're called, or retail money, basically non-professional money managers, right? The people that are investing their own money. And they get, they think, okay, it's, it's good now, right? The market's coming back. This is, everything's looking rosy. It's looking great. And they start to buy in and that's when the institutions slam the door on you. They take their, they take their profits and then sell, you know, make it, push the market down and down and down and down even farther. And so a dead cat bounce refers to that situation where the market bounces up and you think that it's going to be better, but then it's not. Now, I don't think this is a dead cat bounce personally, that we've had, that we've experienced so far to start this year, you know, into the end of last year. I don't think it's a dead cat bounce. However, I do think it is a, a portion of a bear market rally. So from my estimation, we, the pain in the markets is not done yet. I, I just personally, my personal opinion is that think that the market is due for more corrective action sometime during this year. Now, does that mean the market ends up at the end of the year? I think it does. I think at the, by the end of the year, the S&P 500, my crystal ball prediction, and you can, you know, this is totally not, you know, what's actually going to happen, but my prediction, right, is that it'll end up about 3% by the end of the year. That's what I think. Now, that is totally without merit in terms of using it as a guidepost or what will actually happen. That's based on my research, my analysis, and what I have read from, again, the people that are smarter than I and using the math and probabilities, right? But my thought is, and what we expect, is that we're going to continue to have this shoots and ladders type market, at least for the next six months, if not 12 to 18 months. And what I mean by shoots and ladders market is we may climb two or 3% and then slide down a slide real quick to get rid of it. You can kind of see that's happened over the last few weeks where we'll have a really good day, maybe, and then a couple of modest days and then another modest day. And then we have a really bad day or two really bad days and wipe it all out. How many times have you seen the, you know, the headline you know, coming across the ticker that says, you know, Dow wipes out all last week's gains or Dow has wiped out all gains for the year. Or you get, you know, any of those things it hasn't been all gains for the year in a while because it's, it's been doing okay, except the Dow has actually gone negative. You know, this week it actually turned negative, right, for the year. So that can really get you in trouble if you're trying to time the market or jump in and out, right? Because we get a lot of questions about that. I have listeners and, and clients who ask, well, if we're having these professional money managers manage our money and they're, you know, moving it around and buying and selling, why aren't they buying, you know, when the market's down and selling when it's up and, and outperforming the S&P 500? And the truth is, 
90 something percent, you know, a vast majority, I don't want to give you exact percentage because I don't have the numbers in front of you, but a vast majority of mutual funds, active trading mutual funds, active traded ETFs, some professional money managers underperform the market, right? So they underperform the market itself. Now, depending on what they're benchmarked against, which that's a term you'll hear benchmark because it's what you should compare that money manager to, because if they're a large cap you know, large company uh, uh, manager, then yeah, sure, the S and P five hundred makes sense. But if they're if they're buying all small cap or small company stocks, or they're buying international stocks, why would you measure against the S and P five hundred? But the key is not necessarily to compare against those benchmarks. For us, it's to compare against your goals. Okay, because if you are working with an advisor, a, you know, a financial planner, if you're working with a team, a money manager, that their stated goal is to outperform the market every single year, you're going to get burned. Now, money managers we use, they do outperform the market oftentimes. Not every year, but oftentimes they do. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I'm not as concerned with how, whether or not they're outperforming the market per se. What concerns me is what their performance is, how they've been performing, what they've returned for us, how much risk did they take to get there? So there's a measurement called sharp ratio, which is a measurement of your risk adjusted return. So how well you did compared to how much risk you took. Okay. So how risky are they to get the returns they're getting and the returns they have gotten us, do those fit within the parameters of our plan? Because we build out that plan based upon risk parameters that you can take During your lifetime, we've talked about it before where it's risk you have to take, risk you want to take, and risk you are taking. But based on the risk that the money managers are taking in your portfolio, is your plan still on track? And if the answer is yes, then I don't really, honestly, I don't really care what the money manager did compared to the market. Because if I was comparing myself to the markets, really I should just buy SPY or another ETF that tracks the S&P 500 because you cannot invest directly in an index. And put a portion in that and a portion in AGG or another, you know, fund or ETF that tracks bonds and just set it and forget it. Just maybe rebalance quarterly. So you're back to your 60, 40 or 70, 30 or whatever allocation you have. Or maybe you're one of those folks that just buys the S&P 500 and and sets and forgets it to go. You're going to have to ride the big downs along with the big ups, but you'll never be unhappy because you're performing what the market's performing. But that's not my point. The point is, does it match your plan? Right. So our outlook for the market for the rest of the year, like I said, is a shoots and ladders E type market where my estimation is we'll probably bounce around between down, you know, five, ten percent, maybe up four or five percent. You know, we were up over over ten at, at one point so far this year. The S and P five hundred actually was up, I believe, right at ten earlier this year. Right, just uh, just under ten percent. So and that's to start the year. So I think we're gonna see a lot of that. That's what my estimation is going to be. And the, you know, the reasoning behind that is a lot of different things. But the biggest thing is that we have a lot of volatility in the market because there's uncertainty in the world. There's uncertainty in the markets. There's uncertainty in the world. There's uncertainty in our government. All, the thing, all these things contribute to the market being volatile. Now, you throw in inflation, still historically high inflation, And what's the market supposed to do? So the key is not worrying about whether on a day-to-day basis, looking today, that the S&P was up, you know, 2% and I was only up 0.8 or S&P was down 1%, I was down 0.5, you know, whatever you're doing, don't worry about it day-to-day. Think about it in the broader picture. 
right? If you're 20, 30 years from retirement or if you're 20, 30 years into retirement, it's going to be a different conversation for you, right? But think about how it applies to your plan and how your retirement's going to go, not about how it applies to the overall market. That being said, it doesn't hurt to think about what the market might do. And if you want to take, you know, if you, like I said, if you want to take it with a grain of salt and know that this is not <laughs> financial advice right here, this is not a prediction to go to the bank on, but that's my, that's my best guess is that we're going to do a lot of two steps forward, three steps back over the course of the rest of the year. And my, you know, pin throw a dart in the wall is that we end up about three and a half percent up by the end of the year, which is not super exciting. So maybe there are other options out there, right? To look at. I'm going to talk about some of those options later on. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the technical analysis piece. You can get an idea of that and answer some questions that we've had from listeners. But again, if you'd like to schedule a complimentary consultation about your financial plan and see how what you've been doing, what the market's been doing, how that all works together and see if it your plan is still on track, give us a call, 503-253-3000. If you're already working with a financial advisor, great. How would you feel about a second opinion? An unbiased opinion just to tell you how you're doing. If you're doing really well, we'll tell you that. And if we would make some changes if you were working with us, we'll tell you that too. And if it makes sense and you'd like to work with us, great. But otherwise, at least you got that complimentary second opinion. So give us a call or visit our website, www.pricefg.com. We'll be right back with more Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. We do investing simplify. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back into Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining us, thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, if you missed part of our show, you can always download the replay from uh, Apple to iTunes or visit our website, www.pricefg.com. We try to post those shows you know, within a couple of days after airing. But sometimes it takes us a little while. So if you go on there and don't see it or don't see an episode you were listening to, just give it a, you know, a few days and we should have it up there. Last segment I was talking about, you know, the market update and outlooks for the market. And, you know, a lot of times people ask, well, how do you get to those outlooks and how do you get to those, you know, valuations? How do you get to, you know, where you think you know kind of what the market is going to do? And again, I have to put this out there for the regulators, right? It is not my prediction that I'm saying it will happen. This is what I think or my expectation, but I am often wrong. We used to joke, you know, Chuck Price, who started the firm and used to run this radio show several years ago, used to always joke that his crystal ball was cloudy. And I actually have his crystal ball that he left for us when he retired. And it's pretty cloudy. You know, it's it doesn't really give me an accurate outlook on what the markets will do. But how do we get a little more accurate, right? How do we get an idea of what may happen? There are traditionally 
two different ways of analyzing the market and analyzing where the markets might go. And you may have heard the terms. One is fundamental analysis, and the second is technical analysis. I'm going to highlight kind of the differences between the two and tell you where I'm looking and where I think you can utilize those pieces for your investing if you'd like. Now, again, whenever you're doing analysis of the markets or analysis of you know investments, the caveat always comes is I always recommend you work with a professional uh, to take an analysis of your of your portfolio and of your outlook and all the things that you've looked into, just even just to get that second opinion, right? And always make sure that everything you're doing applies to your specific situation because everybody's situation is different and everybody's investing situation is different. And the one thing I didn't mention in there that we always go over with our clients and we always go over with prospective clients, people that are, you know, we're running plans for is your tolerance for risk because you can do all the analysis in the world. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the differences between the two kinds of analysis analyses, I guess you should say, and how to use them. But overall, it really matters what your plan is, what your goals are, and what your tolerance for risk is. Because if you have zero tolerance for risk, which many people do, and there's nothing wrong with that, why would you buy the S&P 500 right now with a dividend yield of 4% or expected return of maybe 5 when you could go out and buy a risk-free government bond for 5%? Interest rates are going, going way, way up. And you know, later on, I'll talk about kind of the rates that we're seeing you know, as of this week that, you know, the week, <clears throat> the week that, you know, that ended on, you know, February 24th, 2023. So I can tell you where rates are right now, but that could change day to day. That'll change, you know, week to week. It depends on what the Fed does. You heard them, you know, speak last week. They're thinking about raising rates. So you just don't know. But the key is making sure that you've analyzed how it affects you and how it fits in your overall picture, right? So with that, the legal beagle stuff out of the way, what's the difference between fundamental and technical analysis? Well, you can kind of extrapolate from the names of them what they mean, but a fundamental analysis is an analyzing the market and stocks and individual companies and bonds. You're analyzing from what are their fundamentals, right? So if you're talking about a company, you're analyzing let's take Apple for instance, right? You're, yeah, it was a very popular company. I think it's still the largest uh, company by cap market capitalization, um, you know, in the S&P 500. It also represents a huge part of the S&P 500. So generally speaking, as Apple goes, so goes the overall market, right? But if you're analyzing Apple, you're going to analyze its cash flow. You're going to look at their debt load. You're going to look at their debt payments, look at their earnings, their revenue. You're going to look at is their CEO, you know, going to be there for a long time? Do they have internal struggles there? Do they have any lawsuits? You know, in the case of like a Johnson and Johnson or, you know, other companies that have had lawsuits there. I know the Supreme Court is considering a lawsuit against Google now. You know, these things, when you're looking at these big companies, you're going to analyze fundamentally, how is that going to affect, right? So hypothetically, one would logically think that perhaps if, you know, if a company is sued and successfully sued, then their stock price is probably going to suffer, right? So that's fundamental analysis. It also applies to the overall markets where you're going, hey, we're looking at the overall stock market, the S&P 500, based on whatever your profits, you know, your you know, annualized profits model, your, uh, there, there's a couple of different, there's several different models that are out there from, you know, Nobel Prize winning 
uh, economists, so obviously smart people, that where they analyze and say, okay, here's what the risk-free rate is. What's the rate I could get on a treasury you know, versus having to take risk in the stock market? So if I need to take risk in the stock market, what kind of return do I logically need to get for it to be at a fair value? What kind of price would I pay for that return that's going to be in excess? So that's fundamental analysis, right? So you're analyzing you know, good, strong companies, seeing how their balance sheets look. You'll see a lot of mutual funds or ETFs that are out there will describe their strategy like that. Okay, we're going to look at a top-down or even a bottom-up fundamental analysis. Okay, you're going to look in, here's the companies that have strong balance sheets, that have paid a strong dividend maybe, maybe the ones that um, are only in the U.S., maybe the ones that only, you know, have uh, 20%, you know, debt load. I don't know. You know, you're looking at a lot of different, there's a there's an in, infinite way, number of ways to analyze stocks fundamentally. The other way to analyze stocks or markets is what's called technical analysis. And I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this one because fundamental analysis makes sense, right? I mean, when you when you think about fundamental analysis, you've heard the old adage, buy what you know, buy what you you know, what you support or buy wh- where you shop, right? A lot of people I know will buy, you know, you know, a store, they'll buy, maybe they'll buy a brand that they buy a lot of, you know, a lot of, you've got a lot of folks that work at Nike here that, you know, have a lot of their 401k tied up in Nike stock, right? Because they know Nike, they work for Nike, they can, they feel like they can affect it and they believe in the company because it's a really strong company for them, obviously, right? So they have a lot of you know, uh, ownership in that stock. So that's your fundamental analysis, which I think is relatively intuitive when you're thinking about what stocks to buy. Technical analysis is more looking at when to buy the stocks, right? Because the technical analysis is that, hey, this stock is sold, has sold off significantly. So it's at a low price or this stock is too high, so it's not a good place to buy it. And that's the basics of it. But then you add in other factors such as where it's moved historically. So technical analysis, for the most part, analyzes price movement or price action in the stock. So it's going to analyze where the stock has moved, how fast it's moved, maybe how much volume in terms of how many buyers and sellers have been in that stock. Where has it bounced before? Where has it stopped moving before? You may have heard the terms called support and resistance when applied to technical analysis of stocks. And those are intuitive you know, names because support would be logically where there's support for the stock. So if it's fallen to a certain level and it's bounced there before, logically it might bounce there again because if there were a lot of people willing to buy it at that price, previously, then logically there might be more people willing to buy it there again. Because when you look at how stocks move, right, they move up because there are more buyers than sellers or more people want to buy it than sell it. And it moves down because there are more sellers than buyers, right? And so it'll move down. So you got people that really want to sell it. So they have to find buyers to sell it. And maybe people are willing to buy it at a lower price. So if a stock is $150 a share and you want to sell it, you go try and sell it, then, but maybe there's nobody that wants to buy it at 150, but there's people that will buy it at 145. So you sell your stock at 150 to those people at 145. Now the stock price is 145. So when you're looking on your iPhone or your Android, right, you're 
seeing where the stock has moved, what the price is, that will show you the price movement on the stock because of that's where the last buyer was. So where the last seller was, right? That's where the last transaction happened was at a given stock price. So when you're looking at technical analysis, you can look and see, okay, well, if the stock came and it bounced at $100, it you know came down, got down to $100 and then went up and then went down to $100 and then went up. Logically, the next time it comes down to $100, there might be some buyers there. And that's the that's the basis of fundament or excuse me, of technical analysis, right? Now, you can get into the weeds and you can really go down a rabbit hole with analyzing you know, stock price movements with charts and you'll see chartists that come on the TV and talk about moving averages and they're talking about patterns that are forming in the stocks and they're talking about uh, this is, you know, a major resistance or major support. You may have heard the terms golden cross, different things like that. And the reality of those is that they do add probability to what's going to happen in the stock. So you can make a guess based on what it's done in the past. And you can make a guess based on those patterns that the stock is forming on a chart when you chart that price action, the price movement. But you can't know for sure. Because just because a stock bounced at a certain price before doesn't mean it'll bounce there again. And just because the last time a stock got to a certain level, it sold off really hard doesn't mean it will again. So just like fundamental analysis, technical analysis is for lack of a better phrase, a guess, right? It's not, it's not a guess so much as an educated guess. Both of them are, right? You can make educated guesses based on that analysis as to where the stock will go or where the market will go because it's done it before and because you look historical precedent, it's happened. But the, there's a reason that on all mutual fund you know, prospectuses, on all programs that talk about you know, what their stock has done or what their company has earned in the past, all the advertising materials you'll see has that caveat, that disclaimer at the end that past performance is not indicative of future results. So just because the market has historically traded at a price to earnings ratio of 17 and it's now trading at 24 does not mean that it'll go down. Now it might, and I, I think personally that means it'll have a higher probability of going down. But it doesn't mean it will. Similarly, if a stock is super underpriced, you may hear stocks are on sale or it's a screaming buy, right? Because of either technical or fundamental analysis. What that means is it's got a higher probability of going up, but it doesn't mean it will because probabilities, as everyone knows, just because you flipped a coin and it made tails last time doesn't mean it's going to make heads this time, right? Probability is every single time it has a certain percentage chance. So when you flip a coin, it is a 50-50 chance of being heads or tails. So you know the analogy people will say, okay, they go to they go to Vegas and they say, well, it's been you know, the roulette wheel's been red the last 10 times. It's got to be black this time. I'm going to put I'm going to put my, all my money on black and it comes up red again. Let alone that it comes up, you know, zero or double zero, right? But just even in that you know, even if we're looking in a in a totally binary situation, just because you flip a coin 100 times and it was 100 tails, it could be tails the 101st time. It's still a 50-50 shot the next time you flip the coin. And stock analysis, market analysis is the same. So just because it's a 60% or 70% chance that it's going to go up or it's going to go down when you do that fundamental or technical analysis, that means that there's a 40 or 30% chance that it goes the opposite way. And even a 40 or 30% chance that it's, you know stays flat, right? So 
utilizing those analyses, you can get a better idea of where stocks or bonds or the market in general are going to go or where you think they're going to go. But you can only get an idea. You can't get clarity on what's exactly going to happen. And if you can, if you do, if you have a history of knowing exactly where the market went, give me a call because we might have a job for you, <laughs> right? If you, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm really good at you predicting the market, but then you ask them to show me the track record and it's not spectacular, right? So if you'd like to, you know, get a free consultation, like I said, with our team, give us a call 503-253-3000 or visit www.pricefg.com. Even if you'd like to come in and just, you know, kind of go through the technical analysis or the fundamental analysis that you've done on your portfolio and see how we think it looks from a go forward basis. We're happy to do that for you as a radio listener. 503-253-3000. We'll be right back with more Investing Simplified. When planning for income and retirement, there's a lot to consider between managing the budget that fits the family, trying to figure out from where to draw your income, or balancing the tax ramifications of withdrawals. Moving into retirement can be overwhelming. At Price Financial Group, we help clients work to create a sustainable retirement roadmap, addressing these concerns and more, and helping folks feel confident in their future retirement income, right when they need it most. If you'd like a financial plan tailored just for you, please don't hesitate and call our office today at 503-253-3000, 503-253-3000 to set up your complimentary consultation. Price Financial Group offers investment advisory services through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome to Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining us, thanks for making us a part of your weekend or perhaps your workout or however you're listening to our show. We really appreciate you tuning in. If you have a question that's been bugging you about your finances, your estate planning, your tax planning, be sure to send that question to askbo at pricefg.com. We'd love to answer your question here on the show. And if I don't know the answer... Or if one of my colleagues doesn't know the answer, we can certainly reach out to someone who does know the answer and help you find what that answer is. Um, one thing I did want to talk a little bit about was, I mentioned it earlier, was you know rates right now. Because the question that I get a lot is about lazy money that you know that's sitting in a savings account. Because even though, and we've all heard it, the Fed has raised rates. And if you have a adjustable rate mortgage or a HELOC or a personal loan or any sort of a loan that fluctuates with the overall interest rate, then you've no, you've seen this. You've you've been hurt by it. My my home equity line of credit has a adjustable rate, and that adjustable rate went way up this year because the Fed raised interest rates. Right, so we've all potentially experienced that if you have an adjustable rate loan of some sort. So what does that mean for, you know, for savings account? Logically, we should be getting paid to save our money, right? Well, unfortunately, it seems as of now, banks have still not passed it on. The big banks and even a lot of the credit unions unions have not passed that interest along in savings accounts just yet. Now, some of them are doing a little bit more. I saw, you know, I, I've seen on 217, there's a big billboard for a very popular credit union around here. 
um, I won't name names, but I do, I, I have had good experiences with them. So I think they're a great, great credit union. Um, but they're offering a new member savings at 5% annual percentage yield. I don't know what their caveats are, but a lot of times what happens on those, you know, with, with those accounts is that you have to jump through some hoops in order to get that savings rate. So there's a lot of times a new member rate or a new account savings rate, but it comes with the caveat, right? You have to do seven or eight debit card transactions. You have to have a direct deposit or you have to write so many checks or you have to, you know, do this, that, and the other in order to get that savings rate. So to me, that seems a little bit disingenuous when they're advertising it. Not that particular, you know, credit union, but when I see that advertised all the time. The other way to get a good interest rate, you know, traditionally has been uh, online uh, banks. So you can get, you know, Ally Bank is a popular one. I think Discover has one and Goldman Sachs has one. There's a bunch, but there's a lot of online savings banks that are FDIC insured. So they have that FDIC insurance for you and they're paying upwards. You know, I've seen upwards of 3% on savings, liquid savings without all those bells and whistles. Now the difference is they're online. So you don't have a branch you can go into. And I personally, I still go into the branch to deposit checks. I go in there to get money out because I like to have that personal interaction rather than using an ATM. And so for that reason, I understand why a lot of folks don't want to use online savings accounts or online banks because it's all online. Now, the key is it is completely FDIC insured, so you don't have to worry about that piece. But a lot of people can feel oogie about doing too many things online, especially with all the online you know, identity theft and, and piracy that's out there, which is a very real thing and a very real concern, right? So if you don't like the online bank route and you don't want to have to necessarily use your debit card or all the different hoops that you have to jump through to get these platinum savings or these, you know, you know, enhanced savings rates, where do you go to get a good interest rate, a good risk-free return, right? Because we just spent the last segment talking about analyzing stocks and seeing where stocks might go. And even if you're buying a stock that has a three or 4% dividend, which is great, by the way, a three or 4% dividend in my mind is a great dividend, but you still have risk with that stock, right? Because that stock could lose value and invariably over time at some point will lose value, right? I don't know if it's today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, but at some point that stock will lose value. So a lot of times when we're talking about fundamental analysis, like it was, people will benchmark against that risk-free rate, right? So if you can get a U.S. Treasury, you know, potentially paying 4 or 5%, right? A U.S. Treasury, that's the safest investment that's out there, right? Because U.S. Treasuries are guaranteed by the full faith and credit authority of the U.S. government. And I, as much as I don't trust the, uh, the government, you know, to do much of anything, I do trust them to tax, <laughs> right? So they're going to tax, uh, you know, us and in order to pay those things. And if you're looking at that, if the, if the U S treasuries go down, I'm, you know, my advice generally speaking is often to in, in, invest in tin and lead, right? At that point, you know, uh, tin to, you know, hold all your canned goods and, and lead to protect them, right? It's sort of a joke. It's really a joke. Cause I, I'm not saying invest in tin and lead, like commodities, just invest in the actual metals, <laughs> right? In, in, you know, potentially cans and, and, and ammunition. But the idea that, you know, that risk-free rate is what is, you know, can be offered over the same time period, it comes from treasuries. And right now you can really find some very attractive yields in treasuries. 
I've talked before about I-bonds. Those are not as attractive as they were, you know, six months ago uh, because the interest rate has come down because that's tied to inflation, which as we've all seen has inflation has come down a little bit. I It has a long way to go before I'm comfortable with it. But those aren't paying quite as attractive of a rate, especially because they are 10-year bonds and you have to go out farther. But you can look at treasuries, you know, T-bills that have, you know, they have interest rate that is pretty good, especially over the short term. So those are a step up from, you know, CDs. You can get CDs out there right now. I know I saw a couple banks paying pretty good on CDs. You can also get what are called brokerage CDs. Now, I know the Mats have talked about brokerage CDs. They're not sexy, right? It's a CD. It's boring. It's not any fun. But as of this week, right now, right, as of this week, which again, the week ended February 24th, okay, 2023, there were CDs that were available, brokerage CDs, that were paying nearly 5% for a nine-month CD. Now, that's pretty that's pretty spectacular, right? Think about that's going to pay me 5% over a nine month period. And it's FDIC insured issued by a bank. I don't got to worry about any sort of fluctuation in the markets. That seems pretty attractive to me, right? So it could be pretty attractive to you. Now, the difference between a brokerage CD and a bank CD, and I want to, I want to make sure that people understand this is that a brokerage CD trades like a bond. So if we bought a CD March 1st, and it's a nine-month CD. So December 1st is when that CD comes due, okay, hypothetically. As long as you hold on to that CD for that entire period, you get your entire principal back. With a bank CD, when you go to the bank and take out a CD and open a CD account, if you need to get out of your CD early, what happens? You forfeit some interest, right? Maybe six months of interest, maybe the whole interest if it's just a short-term CD like that. But you don't have any penalties or anything generally. Sometimes there are. With a brokerage CD, there's not so much a penalty so much as we have to go and sell it to someone else because that bank knows that they get to loan, they get to, you know, borrow that money for that nine month period. So they're not paying it back for nine months. So that's why it gets a little bit higher interest rate. So that means we have to go sell it to somebody else. And if interest rates have gone up, you'll recall, we've talked many times about how bonds, you know, the principal value of bonds and the interest rate work, you know independently, they, you know, they're opposite. So if interest rates go up, the principal value of a bond goes down. Similarly, that's how it works with a CD. And it's logical, right? With a brokerage CD, because if I bought a nine month brokerage CD paying 5%, we'll just use that for easy math. Okay. It's paying 5%. Three months later, there's a brokerage CD available on the market. That's paying 6% for nine months. If I tried to sell you my brokerage, I said, Hey, Look, I have this brokerage CD that's, you know, that's paying 5% and you say, well, I could go buy this one for six. So I'll give you 90 cents for, you know, on the dollar for yours. That's kind of how it works, right? So that makes logical sense. So if there's better yielding products out there that have higher interest rates because interest rates have gone up, you have to sell your CD at a discount if you're getting out early. Again, if you're holding it till the maturity, no worries, right? So that's just the only caveat difference between a brokerage CD and a bank CD. But there are some pretty attractive rates out there on CDs that might be worth exploring if that's something that you're into, right? If you're looking for that risk-free return and you'd like to see what rates are on that particular day, give our office a call. We can help shop it around for you. The CDs aren't issued by us. We don't have any authority over them. They are bank CDs that are FDIC insured. We just broker them. We are able to buy them for clients in their portfolios to add some of that yield. 
And that's, I mentioned before, what we're doing to combat this shoots and ladders market that we're seeing for our clients. And one of the things that we've done is pivoted to add some more yield. See if we can't get some more dividends, see if we can't get some more interest, some more risk-free return, right? And see about adding that to our portfolio to help give it some oomph. Because if I don't see a ton of capital appreciation in the market over the next 12 months, in order to get that oomph, I need to add some dividends and some yield. And if you'd like to see the products that we're using in our portfolios, if you'd like to see the CDs that are available at any particular moment, give us a call, 503-253-3000. We'll be able to pull them up. It takes about five minutes to get a CD rate, and we can tell you exactly what rates we're seeing. So call us at 503-253-3000 or visit our website at www.pricefg.com. We'll take our last break right here, and I'll be back with some listener questions as well as some client questions that have come in over that text line. Again, if you have a question you'd like answered, send it to askbo at pricefg.com. We'll be right back with more Investing Simplified. If you or someone you know is 65 or older, now is the time to talk about Medicare options. Medicare is an integral part of your financial picture, but there are so many options it can be confusing and overwhelming. Price Financial Group has recently introduced an experienced Medicare specialist who can provide you with a complimentary consultation to cut through the noise and ensure your Medicare needs are aligned with your overall plan. We have offices conveniently located in the metro area and working with our Medicare specialist won't cost you anything except a bit of your time. Call 503-253-3000 or visit PriceFG.com to schedule your complimentary consultation today. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. As we look out to close out the show, I appreciate you tuning in. Even though it's been just me this week, you didn't have the usual witty, sure we'll say witty banter of myself and either Matt Sudol or Matt May. Uh, but we want to make sure we're covering concepts that are attractive to listeners or stuff that is important to you. We, I would talk all day about, you know, fundamental technical analysis. I would talk all day about, you know, Roth conversions and different things like that. But if that's not applicable to you and there's something you'd like to hear us touch on, please make sure to email askbo, A-S-K-B-O at pricefg. Dot com Or give us a call, 503-253-3000 as well. Um, I just want to make sure as we're closing out the show, we're going to answer a couple of questions that have come in through Ask Bo. But I want to make sure that you know we're bringing you content and things that keep you engaged and that are important to you. So one question that I've gotten actually a couple of times from clients as well as has come in, uh, you know, came in on the, uh, the text line, I shouldn't say text line, it's an email, right? So it's an email line, <laughs> but is about the changes uh, to the RMD rule here for Secure Act 2.0. And the really cool thing is now that the Secure Act 2.0 has been passed is they kick the can down the road for RMDs to actually to age 73 now. A lot of people don't know that. So it was 70 and a half for a long time, then it became 72, and now it's age 73. Now that the... You know, the kick in the shorts is that if you already turned 70 and a half before the rule changed, or you already turned 72 before this rule changed, then it doesn't affect you. But if you are not yet that age, you have until you turn the year you turn 73 to take your RMD. Now you can take your first RMD April 15th. 
by April 15th of the year following the, when you turn age 73, how do they calculate it? They calculate it based upon what your account balance was at the end of the prior year. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to push your RMD out into the, into April on the first time, just know you're going to have two RMDs that come out that year because you have to take your first one by April 15th and your second one by December 31st. So to give you an idea, if you have an IRA, you measure the balance on December 31st, let's say you're 73 this year. So you, you were born in 1950. Okay. So you're turning 73 this year and you have to take an RMD this year by the end of this year is what usually I recommend rather than pushing till April, but they'll measure your account balance December 31st, 2022. Now, if you have a hundred thousand dollar account balance at the end of the year, your RMD is roughly $3,750. Now it's ru- I say roughly because it's a calculation that's actually using the uniform life table, which you can find on the IRS's website or your financial advisor can help you calculate it. Now they're not required to, cause that's the other question I get a lot. So if you have accounts at Vanguard or at Fidelity or, um, where you don't have an advisor or you have an advisor, they're not technically required to calculate your RMD. Now they should ethically, they should, we do that for our clients. We make sure that their RMDs are gone out, but it's roughly 3.75% roughly, uh, of the prior year's balance in that first year. Now it goes up every year because the concept behind it is that's tax deferred money, right? You didn't pay taxes on it when you put it in there. The government wants their taxes and morbidly, they look at actuarial actuarial tables to see how long they expect you to live. And they want you to remove all of your tax deferred money by the time you die. So that way you can pay taxes on it for the whole time, right? So they look at it that way. Now we've covered before, if you don't want to take it or you are charitably inclined, you can do a qualified charitable distribution with that money. Meaning we can send it directly to a charity rather than you taking the money and paying the taxes on it. Now this can be beneficial in two ways. One, you support a charity that you support. Two, you don't have to go through the rigmarole of the taxation of it because as the uh, tax, you know, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they made some big changes to charitable contributions. So technically, if you had a $5,000 RMD and you withdraw it, then you, then you have taxable income of $5,000. You may or may not be able to d- deduct that entire $5,000 when you donate it to the charity, depending on the type of charity and your income. But even so, even if you are able to deduct 100%, now you have to go through the rigmarole of filing the tax report that, Hey, I took this RMD, this distribution, and then I sent it off to charity and it's income in, income out. And it's a whole thing. If it goes direct to charity, it's like it never happened from an income tax perspective, but it does satisfy your RMD. Now here's a key. Cause this was a question that someone asked when you do, if, if you do a Roth conversion in that same year, that Roth conversion does not cover your RMD. The RMD has to be a removal of dollars from the account separate from a Roth conversion. So you may not do a Roth conversion in substitute for your RMD, but you still may do it. You can do both. You just have to make sure you're satisfying your RMD. Now, a a quirky issue with RMD is you don't have to, because this is a question that comes up a lot. If you have two different IRAs, you don't have to take money out of each of them. You can aggregate them together for that value. And you have to take at least the RMD amount out from one of them. You don't have to take it out from each of them. Okay. So now here's the caveat. What if I have 401ks or 403bs in addition to IRAs, you have to aggregate each account type together. So IRAs and IRAs can be aggregated together. 
but 401ks and 401ks can be aggregated together. But you do have, if you have a 401k and an IRA, you cannot aggregate them together for purposes of RMD. You also cannot do a QCD from a 401k. Now, an easy workaround, and I say easy just because it's simple. It's not easy. It takes, you know, it takes work to do, but you can open an IRA, right? Move the money, for, you know, roll over the money from the 401k to the IRA in the year prior to turning the age that you have to take the RMD and then do QCDs from your IRA. But you cannot do QCDs direct from your 401k, sadly. Okay. The other question that I had come up was about the mega backdoor Roth, which is, you know, in process of going away potentially with the uh, Secure Act. But the key is you don't have to worry about mega backdoor anything unless you are already fully funding your 401k. And I would argue if you're interested in Roth, explore the Roth option at the 401k. So see if you have a 401k option for Roth. Then what happens if you are fully funding it up to the maximum deferral, which I believe is 24, it's right in the 24,000 range, depending on your age. So if you're fully funding that with, with salary deferral, you can put excess non-deductible contributions directly into your 401k and then immediately convert it to Roth. So the benefit would be if you have more money that you want to put into a Roth, you can do it that way. So if you're already fully funding the Roth, or maybe you can't do a Roth because you make too much money, then you can do a mega backdoor 401k that way with salary deferrals. That's the key is you use salary deferrals. Now, you can also still do a full Roth conversion as well. Set, you know, a, a backdoor Roth or a rich man's Roth is what they call it, a rich woman's Roth, I should say, a rich person's Roth. So you can take $7,000 from your bank account, non-deductible, non-deductible contribution to your IRA, and then immediately convert to Roth. So similar to that excess contribution to your 401k and converting to Roth, then you can do that in the IRA as well. So these are ways that you can get money to a tax-free retirement account if that is something you believe in or if that is something that makes sense to you. Personally, the Roth is my favorite vehicle, but it may not be right for your situation, especially if you defer from me on where you think taxes are going to go. I personally think taxes are, have never been lower and they're going to continue to never be lower. <laughs> I just don't see any way we pay for all the spending that we've done, both you know, both in the pandemic and on defense and different things. I just think that the government just is going to raise their taxes just because they kind of have to, to pay for all the stuff. So my personal view is taxes now are lower than they're going to be in the future. Okay. So if you have a question that has been keeping you up at night, something about Roth conversions, if you want more details on that, if you want to see how a Roth conversion might make sense for your situation, can you do the mega backdoor Roth? Can you contribute more to your 401k? Should you? What options in the 401k are good? Can you have help managing your 401k? All these are questions that we can answer in a complimentary one-on-one session with a member of our team. You give us a call at 503-253-3000 or visit www.pricefg.com. We're happy to have that consultation with you. We'll sit down. We'll go over your situation. We'll analyze it in comparison with your goals, where you're trying to get, and we'll give you a uncompromised, here's how it looks to us. And if you were a client of ours, here's how we could help you. There's never any pressure. There's never any hard sale. All it costs you is an hour or two of your time. We'll also answer any questions that you have about any outside accounts and offer to help in any way that we can because that's what we do as a service to our radio listeners. So if you'd like that consultation, give us a call or visit our website at www.pricefg.com. Thank you so much for being with me today. We'll talk to you next week on Investing Simplified. Man.
The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. We do investing simplified.